0: We're reading from John 15, 1 through 17. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So that you will love one another.
1: Thanks, Brandon. Well, hello, friends. Uh, we are this morning continuing through uh, the letter, or the, the Gospel of John, uh, the part of which that Brandon just read. Uh, the Gospel of John is all about Jesus. And not just kind of the facts about Jesus, uh, as if it's like a history book, but it's about uh, what it means to know Jesus. That John, the guy who wrote uh, the letter that uh, that Brandon just wrote, he knew—sorry, uh, he read—he knew who Jesus was very personally. Uh, so when he writes this letter, he writes it to invite us into knowing Jesus personally. Uh, And we have been, over the past couple weeks, wrestling with one of these big questions that comes with any kind of uh, religious gathering, any kind of way of thinking about the world. And really the question that we've been looking at is this, what does it mean to have eternal life? What does it mean to have eternal life? That uh, every religion offers you some kind of answer to this question of what happens after you die. Some religions say it's kind of a cycle that you go through. Other religions say you go to a place, a good place if you're good a bad place if you're bad, but Jesus said in John 17, just a few chapters after what Brandon just read, that eternal life is this, when you know God through Jesus. That when you know God through Jesus, you have eternal life, not just in the future when you die, but right here and right now, which means that when you know God through Jesus, you have connection to life right now, not just a hope in the future 60 or 70 years from now, But right now, when you know God through Jesus. And so knowing God through Jesus is the heart of what it means to be a Christian. That when you know God through Jesus, eternal life is available to you right now. And so we've been looking over the past couple weeks at, at what it actually means and what actually happens when you know God through Jesus. How does that connect us to eternal life? So we've been looking at five eternal life things that are available to you when you know God through Jesus. Uh, the first week we looked at this, a family that will never fail you, that when you know God through Jesus, you're connected to God's family. You're actually adopted as his son or daughter. Last week we looked at when, that when you know God through Jesus, you have a peace greater than your circumstances, that Jesus' presence is available to us in the Holy Spirit, no matter what trouble you're going through. Not in the future, trying to get you out of it, but in the middle of it right here and right now. And today we're going to look at the third of these five things, and that is this, it's a love that will change your life, a love that will change your life. And so I want you to know if you're here and you're kind of considering Christianity, maybe you have some big questions about Christianity, the reason why we're doing this and the reason why we're here as a church is to help you find good answers, to be a community where you can ask those big questions and find together hope in Jesus. And if you're here and you're a Christian, it's going to really invite you to really lean into what it means to know God through Jesus. So we're going to look at the third, and that is this, a love that will change your life. Now, the passage that Brandon just read, Jesus starts talking about obedience. He mentioned that a couple times, right, obedience. And uh, I think if we were honest, obedience kind of rubs us the wrong way. We really don't like it when someone says, hey, obey me. Right? And if you talk to any parents of like toddlers, they will tell you that that is a natural inborn thing. Right? That as soon as you start to lay out some rules for your kids and as soon as they can talk, one of the first questions that comes out of their mouth when you say, hey, don't do this or do this, is why? Why should I or why shouldn't I do that thing? Kids are always asking, why should I follow these rules? Why should I do these things? Why should I obey? And the thing is, we get older and we get bigger and we mature, but I think we never stop asking that why question. That when people say obey or follow the rules or do these things, in our hearts and our minds, we are always asking why? why should I listen to you? Why should I do this? Why should I follow these rules? In fact, uh, a lot of the story of this past year in the middle of this pandemic has been people asking that why question anytime there's a new rule or a new regulation or expectation around health codes and social gatherings and big groups, people want to know why should we listen to you? What gives you the right to do that? And you see, I think the reason why we ask this why question, whenever someone says obey or here's what I want you to do, the reason why we ask that why question is really about trust. It's really about trust. That when people ask us to obey them or ask us to do something for them, what we're really asking in our mind is can I trust you? Can I trust you? That when you're asking me to do this thing, how do I know that you have my best interest in mind? And what the reality is, we have a really hard time with trust right now in our world. Because the people that we have trusted to have authority over us or to do certain things, uh, we've been let down by people a lot. We're kind of in this crisis of trust. Maybe uh, for you, you trusted a certain political figure, a certain uh, government figure, and you trusted them with your vote, and then you found out that they didn't actually mean what they said when they were campaigning. And so we have this lack of trust in the system to govern us well. Uh, one of the big crises this past year has been trusting like, healthcare professionals because so much of the answers around COVID have changed all the time. And people look at that and say, do you know what you're talking about? Even though healthcare professionals would say, we know what we're talking about, people are like, man, what are you talking about? And we have this kind of trust of people who are in charge. Even uh, in our city, one of the main reasons why people are not considering Christianity or considering church right now is because they don't trust religious leaders. That religious leaders let us down a lot. That maybe you've trusted somebody uh, to lead you in a church, or you trusted like a, a prominent speaker or pastor, and then you found that they actually weren't everything that they said that they were. There's some crisis where you realize they weren't actually trustworthy. Maybe you even have some church hurt from that. You say, I'm not sure that I can consider Christianity if I can't trust the people who are representing Christianity. And we have this crisis of trust in our world. And so one of the answers that our world is offering, that our culture is offering is this, is that if you can't trust people to lead you, then the only person that you should trust is yourself. That you should be the only one to decide what's right for you or good for you. You should be the only one that you trust. And so you get to decide what works for you and what doesn't work for you, what's good for you and what's not good for you, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And anyone who tells you otherwise, anyone who wants to challenge that or say, you should follow these things or do these things, anyone who says, obey me, is actually trying to oppress you. We have this real intense uh, angst towards anybody who says, this is what you should do, and so we're just trusting ourselves. So I'm the only authority that I can trust, and this is all around us right now. And we believe that we're the only people that we should trust. But the ironic thing is, at the same time that we are saying as a culture that you should only trust yourself, you alone know what's good for you, no one can tell you what you should do or what you shouldn't do except for you, at the same time that we're saying that, we're also having these big conversations in our culture about justice and equity, or if you think about it, we say, well, no one can tell me what to do, but our culture, our world should be a place of justice, should be a place of equality, should be a place uh, where everyone can flourish, but why? How can we say both of those things at the same time? That only I can tell me what to do, but I want to tell the world what they should do. You see, this is the crisis that we're in. Because we don't want to follow anyone else's rules. We don't want to obey. We don't want to trust anyone. And yet at the same time, we have this longing for a world that's different. We have this longing for even in our own lives something that's different. And so obedience is a really hard thing for us to wrestle with. We have to know that this is all going on in the background when we look at what Jesus says here. Because when Jesus says, obey me, it rubs us the wrong way because this is what we're thinking. This is what we're wrestling with in our world. But I want you to see that when Jesus talks about obedience, he starts somewhere different. He starts somewhere different when he talks about obedience. If you look in John 15, verse 9, Jesus says this as he's talking about what it means to obey. He says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love. You see, Jesus, when he starts talking about obedience, he's not giving us like a new list of rules to follow. He doesn't lay out like, here's my new Ten Commandments, guys. You need to follow these behaviors. Instead, Jesus is concerned about the source. He's more concerned about the source or the motivation behind your obedience than he is the actual actions of obedience that you do. He starts talking about rootedness and connectedness and abiding in his love. See, what Jesus is saying is this. The bottom line of what he is saying is the source or the root of obedience to Jesus. The root or source of obedience to Jesus is trusting in the love of Jesus. The root of obeying Jesus is trusting the love of Jesus. See, what's really interesting is when Jesus starts talking about obedience, he first talks about love. But religion tends to reverse those things. Religion tends to say, if you obey, it will lead to love. If you do these five things, or if you walk this path, or you or you do these good things, or you give to charity, it will lead to blessings. It will lead to love. It will lead to the security of knowing that you're going to the good place and not the bad place. Now, Even this whole question about eternal life where, where good people go to heaven, that's based on obedience leading to love. That if I obey, it will lead to heaven or it will lead to paradise. That's what religion says, but Jesus reverses that. He says love leads to obedience. He says if you learn to trust my love, if you learn to listen to my love, to root yourself in my love, to focus on my love, when you do that, it will lead to life change. It will lead to obedience, not the other way around, right? Jesus is saying, trust my love, and as you trust it, as you get to know it, as you root into it, it will lead to obedience, not the other way around. So then the question is, if this is the the source of our obedience, if the source of our obedience is not us trying to change our behavior, do something different, but it's trusting in the love of Jesus, the question is, how do I know I can trust his love? How do I know that he he is trustworthy? Because isn't every religion at some point some guy saying, hey, trust me. Listen to what I have to say. Follow what I'm saying. How do we know we can trust the love of Jesus? There's really two things that Jesus says here that, that show us and that remind us that we can trust his love. Two reasons beyond any other reason that we can trust the love of Jesus. The first is this. He's not asking us to do anything that he himself has not already done. He's not asking us to do anything that he himself has not already done. Look at what he says in verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me, he is saying, do what I have already done. Jesus has obeyed his Father, God, every step of the way. He says, I have loved my Father by obeying him my entire life. You see, the heart of the story of Christianity is not a God who is sitting distant, kind of sending email commands about what you should do. It is a God who steps into our world and lives a human life, that Jesus lives every step of life perfectly, that every moment that he is alive, that he is among us, every action that he takes, every word that he says, he is doing in submission to his Father as an act of love, that Jesus isn't here just kind of pioneering his own destiny or choosing his own thing instead jesus is actively obeying his father every step of the way even to the point where in a few chapters in this story we find jesus wrestling with god because he knows that god is asking him to give his entire life on the cross and jesus is wrestling and yet he says not my will but yours be done you see jesus perfectly obeys his father Unless you think that, well, it had to have been easy for Jesus. He was God after all. Hebrews tells us, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted in every possible way to do something different. And yet he was without sin. So Jesus' love can be trusted because he has already done this for us. He has already perfectly obeyed his Father. And because he perfectly obeys his Father, he perfectly secures God's love for us when he gives his life for us. See, one of the controversies this past year has been when we see, like, government leaders or health leaders, they say, hey, don't go into large gatherings or don't go into bars or don't go into spaces without masks. And the next day you see a photo of them in the same place that they told you to avoid. Right, and people are like, how can we trust that you are leading us well? How can we trust that the things that you're saying are worth listening to if you yourself don't do that? Jesus doesn't do that. When Jesus says, trust my love, he has already perfectly obeyed his father for us. And so we can trust that what he's saying is good because he has already done it for us. The second reason why we could trust his love is this. He's not going to ask you to give up more than he has already given you. He's not going to ask you to give up more than he has already given you. You see what Jesus says in verse 13. He says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Jesus is the greatest love that you can ever encounter, that you will ever experience, that you can ever be connected to is the love of someone who gives their entire life for you, who gives up everything for you. And so Jesus is saying, that's what I'm about to do. That when Jesus is about to go to the cross in just a few days from when he says this, he is saying, I am demonstrating to you just how completely and perfectly I love you. That Jesus is not holding back any ounce of his life, any ounce of his blood, any of his breath. He is giving all of it on the cross so that you can know just how good his love is he says greater love has no one than this than someone who gives his life for his friend he says you are my friends if you do what i command which means this that when we struggle to obey right when we say well jesus how do i know that if i give this up it's going to be good right it seems uncomfortable it seems difficult we say, Jesus, obedience sounds hard. What Jesus is going to remind you, what he's going to say is, greater love has no one than this. I gave my life. And so you can trust that I'm good. You can trust that what I'm asking of you, even right now, it may seem uncomfortable, a little bit weird, but, but you can trust that I have your best interest in mind because I have given everything for you. You see, you can trust the love of Jesus because he held nothing back. He held nothing back to demonstrate his love. You see the root of our obedience to Jesus is trusting in the love of Jesus and his love is trustworthy. But see here's the thing if if that is true if our obedience comes out of our trusting in the love of Jesus that means that sin is fundamentally an issue of trust not behavior. But sin is fundamentally an issue of trust not behavior. You see, sin is what we tend to think of like the bad stuff that I do, right? Even you go to church maybe you hear a list of things that you're not supposed to do, right? All these bad actions that I do or these bad attitudes that I have or these things that I do that I don't talk about. We tend to think that sin is the behavior that I do. But if sin is about behavior, then what I need from Jesus is a behavior management system. I need a new set of actions or a new attitude uh, that Jesus has to give me or a new list of Ten Commandments in order to deal with my behavior, But if sin is fundamentally not about behavior, but but about trust, then the solution to changing my behavior is not a behavior management system. It's a relationship. The, The root of changing my life, of things changing in my obedience, is not managing my behavior, but growing in my trust in Jesus. You see, this is why if you're here and you're considering Christianity, it's important to realize that becoming a Christian is not about changing your behavior. It's not about going from, like, Sunday morning sitting on the couch to then Sunday morning sitting in a pew. It's not about going from reading the newspaper to reading the Bible. That's not what makes you a Christian. Becoming a Christian is not about changing your behavior. It's about changing your trust. It's moving from trusting myself to trusting Jesus. It's recognizing that if sin is fundamentally about trust, then when I am trusting in things that are not Jesus, I am actually sinning against Jesus. You see, if you go to the very beginning, the first story in the Bible, the first temptation uh, that Adam and Eve faced in Genesis was not about behavior, it was about trust. The temptation was, did God really say that, he, that you shouldn't do that? It was a question of, can you trust him? And now for all of us, the sin that we deal with, the things that we do that we shouldn't do, they're not about the behavior that we do, it's about that we're trusting in something other than Jesus. I'm trusting in my money for my sense of security. I'm trusting in a relationship for my sense of love and belonging. I'm trusting in my ability to be good for my sense of connection with God. I'm trusting in things that are not Jesus, which means that becoming a Christian is not just about changing those behaviors. It's about trusting Jesus, which is why to become a Christian is really about fundamentally two words, turning and trusting. Turning means recognizing that I have been trusting in something other than Jesus for my sense of belonging, love, security, I've been trusting in this thing over here and it is pulling me away from Jesus. And so turning is recognizing that this is true and choosing to go a different direction and choosing to change my trust from that to Jesus. Of trusting in Jesus' love that he took care of everything for me. So becoming a Christian is not about changing your behavior, it's about changing what you're trusting in. And Jesus' love is trustworthy. like The greatest love that you can ever trust in Because he gave everything for you. But this also means that for us who are Christians, as we consider what it means to grow in our trust of Jesus, to to change our behavior, it's not about just adopting new actions or new attitudes. It's really fundamentally about trusting the love of Jesus. That, That life change or obedience to Jesus comes as we grow in our trust of Jesus. So then the question is, how do I grow in the trust of Jesus. There's really two things that that we can embrace and lean into that will cause our trust in Jesus to grow. Because trust is simply love over time. And so as I spend time in the love of Jesus, out of that will grow trust. And so there's two primary ways that Jesus identifies for us that, that will cause us to grow in love. Not rules or behavior changes, but things that will cause me to grow in trust. The first is this. That to grow in the trust of Jesus, I have to spend time in his word. I have to spend time in his word. Jesus says this uh, in verse uh, 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He says that growing in the trust of Jesus, trusting in his love and knowing his love is about spending time in his word. If we spend time in his word, it will lead to us growing in our trust of him. You see, that's why we read this book so much, because this book is fundamentally a story about how God has loved us in Jesus. Every page is leading us to see that God has loved us in Jesus. And so when we spend time in this Word, uh, reading it, asking questions, sharing it with one another, discussing it with one another, it's helping us discover how God has loved us in Jesus. We don't understand all of it. Right? But we, we center on it, to understand it, to ask questions. This is why we read it here in service. This is why we center our communities on it, because when we spend time in this, it is causing us to grow in our trust of the love of Jesus. So spending time in this word. If you don't have this word, or you're not sure even where to start, we have uh, Bibles available for free at our Next Steps test because that's how important we think it is that you have this. That As you center in on this word, and you spend time in it, it will cause your heart to grow in the trust of the love of Jesus. But the second thing is this that to grow in trust in the love of Jesus requires or causes us to spend time with other people. To spend time with other people. Jesus says his command is this love one another. He says, My command is this that as you love one another, you will experience the love that I have for you. Here's the thing it's really hard to love people when you're not with people. It's really hard to love people when you're isolating yourself, right? But Jesus is saying, if you love one another, if you spend time with one another, that will lead to you growing in trusting my love. Because as you spend time with other people who are learning to trust Jesus, their stories will teach you something about how good the love of Jesus is. Their encouragement will lead you to learning more about trusting the love of Jesus. The life change that you see in them will encourage you and challenge you to consider what it means to trust Jesus in that area of your life as well. As we spend time with other people, it leads us to growing in trusting his love. But here's the thing, not just in a comfortable kind of way. Because Jesus would say, as you love one another, the love that we should embrace is a love that looks like him. It says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the love he calls us to. Not a comfortable kind of love where we're just kind of sharing all the best things about life, but a love that shares the hard things of life too. That encourages and lifts one another up so that we can grow in the trust of the love of Jesus together. This is why it's so important for us as a church as well, that we are people who love people well. Especially people who are coming in totally new, unsure of the love of Jesus. Because as we share the love that we have with Jesus with them, they start to experience and discover that Jesus' love is trustworthy. And that also means that if someone comes to us and is not connected to Jesus, is not trusting Jesus, we should not and cannot expect them to behave like a Christian until they trust in Jesus. Right? That uh, When you're interacting with your neighbors, right, or, or you're interacting with people who are joining us on a Sunday morning, and they're like, man, I don't, like, they don't look like a Christian. They don't act like a Christian. Here's the thing. Until they trust Jesus, what else should we expect? That is why we hold out the love of Jesus to people. That until you trust Jesus, nothing else will happen. And so entrusting the love of Jesus out of that leads to the life change that Jesus wants, not the other way around. This is always how we change. This is how we change at the very beginning as we start to take steps to Jesus. This is how we change when you've been following Jesus for 50 or 60 years, is not by obeying first and then loving Jesus, but by trusting the love of Jesus, and out of that leads to life change. This is a love worth trusting. He gave everything for you. And when you learn to trust him, it will lead to a life that looks like him, that's shaped like him, that makes him central. This, and only this, is a love that will change your life. Let me pray for us. God, you have loved us perfectly and completely in Jesus. God, you know, we confess that we are quick to question authority, question people who say obey, even question Jesus when he says obey me. You know, help us to see, Lord, that that you have loved us perfectly and completely in Jesus, that his love is trustworthy, and as we grow in that trust, would you then work out the life change that you want? Not as we manage our behavior, but as we trust your love. And so, God, for the one who's here who maybe is thinking that Christianity is about changing my behavior from the couch on Sunday morning to a pew on Sunday morning, God, would you help them see that it is only by trusting in your love that any of this is possible? You help them to see how good the love of Jesus is, that he left nothing on the table. He gave everything to show us his love. And that when we have his love, we have everything that we need. God, we confess that we are quick to trust our own ability to change, our own ability to behave instead of trusting your love. Would you show us even this morning the ways that we are trusting our obedience rather than trusting your love? Would we confess those things and center again on trusting you? And out of that, would you bring the life change? We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.